play action for Kirk from under center, straight drop. Kirk trying to win it to Thielen, caught at the five. Cousins, Thielen, 42 on the Saints. Kirk takes the snap, looks right, fade left, end zone, and it is caught. Touchdown! Hello, hello, let's go. It's your man, Flip Mozzie, and thank you for spending some time with Miles Gorham, Matt Anderson, and Ryan Ortega today. Here we are on the heels of the NFL schedule release. Our Minnesota Vikings posted their schedule just an hour ago. We're here to give you the reaction, starting from the top, working our way all the way through to week 17. Maybe some win-loss predictions, maybe some playoff predictions. Remember now, seven teams from each conference will make the playoffs at the end of the 2020 season, but that's a long ways away. So let's just take it one game at a time, starting with week one. Sunday, September 13th, Green Bay at Minnesota. Matt, how do we feel about opening the season at home against the hated Green Bay Packers? I love it, honestly. I think it kind of sets the tone to remind us that football's back. Uh, Sometimes you can get some duds as home openers, but it'll be cool to to start off uh, against Aaron Rodgers just just right out of the gate and hopefully come out with a W. I'm I'm excited for some matchups. Obviously, their quarterbacks are are much improved than they were back in the day. And now without Diggs, we got to roll out Jefferson and, and Thielen, so I'll be curious to see how how they match up as well as, uh, you know, kind of this not really new offensive line, but uh, depending where they where Ezra Cleveland plays, a little bit different going up against that Packers defensive front too. So it'll be a good battle like it usually always is. Great. I think it'll be a good battle as well. Miles, is this the right time to play Green Bay? Some people are saying it's too early, there's no offseason, and we've got a young roster. Is this a plus matchup for the Vikings, or this does this favor the Green Bay Packers? Well, I mean, we know the, the Vikings. It's probably more of a disservice to the Vikings just because the Vikings have such a different roster turnover than the Packers do. The Packers are pretty much bringing back everybody that they had last year outside of a few key players. I mean, I know Blake Martinez is gone. Um, other than that, they're pretty much bringing back most of their players. So their turnover isn't really much, but the Vikings, I mean, obviously, like Matt mentioned, uh, Stephon Diggs is gone. So you're, you're rolling out a new wide receiver. You're also rolling out a, basically a revamped cornerback group. So that one's going to be a little bit curious how you um, match up against Devontae Adams. I mean, I'm not as worried about the rest of their receivers, but you just got to be able to cover. And I know that was a big issue for some of, some of the big issues for the Vikings last year. So they went out and basically revamped that cornerback room, but they got significantly younger. So I'm just really curious to see what that looks like. And then uh, obviously the, the defensive line on both sides kind of see how the Vikings handle the Packers defensive line. I know uh, Smith last year, uh, like uh, Zadarius Smith ate up the, the Vikings offensive line last year. Um, and the Vikings defensive line did pretty well against the Packers as well. So I'm just kind of curious to see how the, both the Vikings have a revamped defensive line. Um, so I want to see kind of how they handle the Packers because the Packers ran all over them last year. And then I want to see how the Vikings offensive line and offensive scheme handles a guy like Darius Smith. So, so Ryan, you know, Miles started talking about the matchups there, some references to the games last year. First game, Vikings at Packers. Kirk throws the interception at the end to lose the game. 
And then the second game, prime time, the Vikings only get seven first downs in that contest. So, so it, looking at just those two games, it looks like the Vikings are going to have a tough time with the Packers this season. Now, a lot has changed. So do you think the moves that the Vikings have made have prepared them to take on Green Bay right away like this? You know, it's a new season, uh, so I, I take a look at what happened last year, and you take it as data points. But I don't, I don't look at it as the end all be all. You know, we got fresh new players, hopefully a little bit new energy in in the building. Uh, we, we have a lot of talent that I think went unrealized a little bit last year, and hopefully that. Well, it's not a really a new scheme, but the scheme that we're putting into place with Kubiak hopefully will flow maybe a little bit better uh, w- with the new players that we have. Again, we do have a lot of new players coming in, and with this shortened off season that we're likely going to experience, you know, it it's, does go at a disservice to us, just like uh, Miles had said. So I look at it as a it's a great opportunity, a great challenge, uh, and I'm not taking too much consideration to what happened last year because it is just a new year, and who knows, you know, another year for Rodgers to hopefully decline some more, and um, you know, they brought in some new pieces that who knows how they're going to integrate them with uh, AJ Dillon and and some of their other uh, you know tight ends and, and things like that. So. I'm optimistic because I hedge optimistic typically, uh, especially when we're playing at home. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be a tough challenge for us. I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> I think that 13-3 and three from Green Bay was a fluke last year. I'm not the only one who feels that way. So let's just, like Matt said, it's a great way to kick off the year, start yeah. it off with a big game, start the season off with some fire, some sizzle to it, and let's go. I wanted to touch on touch on one thing Ryan mentioned too, mm-hmm. with with Gary Kubiak taking over as OC. I feel like kind of like when the Vikings had North Turner as the offensive coordinator, even Pat Shermer a little bit. Um, when Zimmer has an experienced offensive coordinator, it feels like he lets them kind of run their ship less so than when he had a actually when he had Pat Shermer and then when he had a John D. Filippo the the year before. Excuse me, ignore Pat Shermer. John D. Filippo in 2018 and then Kevin Stefanski in 2019. It felt like Zimmer had a little bit more input into what the offense was doing. But when he had the experienced offensive coordinators like Shermer, Nerf Turner, and then now Gary Kubiak, I feel like he's going to like lessen the reins and kind of let those, those veteran coaches kind of run their offense without Zim having to kind of interfere as much. Um, So like hearing the things like establishing the run, isn't going to be something we hear as often because Zim's going to let those guys do their work. He's going to let Gary Kubiak, he trusts Kubiak to call it, an efficient game, no matter whether he feels he needs to pass more to win the game, if he needs to run more to win the game. I think he's going to trust what a Gary Kubiak says that he th- he believes that they should be doing to win the game more than what he felt Stefanski was running last year. And that's not even anything against Stefanski. I think it's more about Zimmer's earning Zimmer's trust based off experience. And I think with Kubiak's track record, it'd be really hard for uh, someone like him to come in and be willing to take on the offensive coordinator role if he's going to have someone stepping on his back all the time, telling him, you know, breathing down his neck, telling him how to run his offense. So I feel like he's going to have a lot more freedom to kind of run his offense. I hope so. I hope so. So that's just, that's just one game. Maybe be, it could be the biggest game of the year for the Vikings right out of the gate. And so how Kubiak and Zimmer come into that game are going to be very important. After Green Bay, it's at Indianapolis versus Tennessee, and then at Houston. Three contests from the AFC South 
right after that big Green Bay Packers game. And then in week five, the Minnesota Vikings go to Seattle on Sunday night football. It'll be the third year in a row. You have Vikings at Seahawks in prime time. Ryan, are we going to lose three in a row to the Seahawks like this? Gosh, that's a great question. I, I do find it funny that we consistently are playing at Seattle, which is, again, one of the hardest stadiums to play in the whole entire NFL. Well, what if I, there aren't fans? If there aren't fans, that does make a difference, <laughs> but there's still some sort of magic that Russ has in Washington. I'm not sure uh, in, Seattle, in Seattle. But, yeah, so so that, that would make a difference if there's no fans there because that, that stadium just erupts. But Overall, I, I just don't understand how we keep getting uh, going to Seattle. But again, like I said about Green Bay, it's a good challenge. Uh, what I'm excited about about that game is I view that game as a tougher game than the Green Bay game. Uh, and we're going to have four tune-up games. Again, they're not none of those games I don't think are walks in the park. They're going to be tough, tough uh, battles there. But we're going to have four games to really prep to to go into a prime time game uh, that Kirk typically struggles in typically again a new year we'll see what happens but we, we're gonna have four games of prep and, and get used to each other Justin Jefferson and Kirk are going to be used to each other by then our cornerbacks hopefully will be communicating better by then and and all the new pieces we brought in hopefully everything's going to really start gelling around this time and hopefully we can you know take it to them and and uh, and steal one out of Seattle great Matt what do you think about this contest Week five at Seattle. I mean, just even all the games you highlighted, I mean, I, they're all going to be pretty difficult, and uh, they'll kind of exploit um, what has kind of been our, our difficulties the past couple of years. Mobile quarterbacks against Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. I mean, I don't care if there's fans or not. We're going to have a lot of young defensive line players. Uh, we don't have Griffin anymore. And so kind of worry about them just kind of containing those mobile quarterbacks in the pocket. Um, so Zimmer's going to have to be creative in those two games. And then you got Tennessee and Indy. You know, Philip Rivers finally went there. They have a good receiving core. They just got Jonathan Taylor. So, I mean, granted, it'll be in the beginning of the season. So hopefully uh, you can catch them when they haven't quite hit their mojo. But I think they'll be a good team. And then the Titans, you know, they do what Zimmer wants to do. They just run all the time. And Derrick Henry was a beast last year. so. You know, that's a that's a hell of a stretch of games, and it doesn't really lighten up. But I think if you can just kind of take care of your, your home games next year and, and try and steal a couple on the road, you'll be okay. But, I mean, that, that looks daunting at first. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I'm not really worried about the this first half of the schedule. I know there's a lot of playoff teams here from 2019, but, you know, you look historically – previous year record is a really bad way to establish strength of schedule for the next season. And you look at other metrics like point differential and DVOA, I think we're just selling the Vikings short. Sure, the offseason has made some changes here, but in terms of point differential, the Vikings had a better point differential than the Titans, Texans, or Colts. They had a higher DVOA score than all those teams as well. That's true for the Packers as well. So I think that the biggest challenge in the first half of the schedule are all these road games with a young roster. I'm not worried about 
the coaching, the productivity, about Kirk Cousins, about some of our, some of our defenders playing at a high level, or really against in in regards to matchups. It's more just can the culture take hold and and start to produce wins even when we're going on the road. Miles, how, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I kind of look at it that same way too. I mean, some of these teams aren't going to be as good as everybody expects them to be, but that could be the case for the Vikings as well. I mean, as the fans, <laughs> it's easy for us to want to root for our team to be better than they were the previous year or at least be a playoff caliber team. So the first few weeks, the first like six weeks basically for the Vikings before their bye week, you'll, you'll, we'll find out a lot about this team, um, the identity and, the, and how good they actually could be. And the, the tough tests are, are all there, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, like you said, Flip, I think it's, it's just a good, it's a good test for this team to kind of see where everybody's at, what rookies can step up and help contribute right away, who can't kind of find the strengths and weaknesses of the team early on. I mean, I think you look at it, I mean, you're only playing one divisional game before the bye. So that's, a, that's the key there is you're still, you could keep yourself in the race by winning that first game. Obviously, you need to win a few more to, to stay in it, but, I mean, that one game is going to be key because you come out of the bye playing the Packers, Lions, and, and Bears right out of the gate. So those first six games are going to be big, but, like, I, I don't expect the Titans maybe to, to be as good. Um, the Colts, I mean, they have, a, I think, Phillip Rivers. It's, it's all about Phillip Rivers for that team. How good is he going to be? Obviously, he has a, an improved offensive line from what he had in, in this, with the Chargers, but at the same time, he had really good weapons there. He's going to have pretty good weapons here as well, but is he going to be the same kind of quarterback that he, he used to be you know, a few years ago? So we don't know. He's, what, like 38, 39 years old at this point, so he's, he's not young anymore. The Titans, like, like I mentioned, they're, were they a fluke? Are they a team that can come back and, and build off of what their AFC Championship run last year? The Texans, I've always been consistently competitive, kind of like the Vikings under uh, Bill O'Brien. Uh, you know, we say what we want to about Bill O'Brien, some of the you know, boneheaded moves he's made, but they're, they're usually always pretty competitive. Uh, obviously, Deshaun Watson plays a huge part in that. So that's a game that I think I'm, that one and the um, Seahawks game are obviously the two that jump out the most to me outside of the Green Bay game just because um, you're on the road, but you're also facing some of the best quarterbacks in the league. So how do you you're not going to stop those guys. So how do you contain them? How do you slow them down a little bit? Like Matt mentioned, mobile quarterbacks that can escape pressures and uh, they can make big plays. So it's, it's more about how do we, how do you figure out how do you slow those guys down? Because they make, they make things work no matter who they're playing against. So it's about slowing them down and not, I hate going into like, Oh, we play Seattle at Seattle again. That just means it's a, it's a loss. It doesn't mean that. I mean, that's just, to me, it's, you go into it. Like, like Ryan said, it's a fresh, fresh perspective, new season, anything could happen. Um, but you know that those teams are going to be consistently be pretty good. So those are the ones for me when I look at the the first six games. Those the the Texans and the Seahawks are the ones to me that consistently have been good. So those are the ones that I expect the to be very competitive. Not that I don't expect the other games to be, but I expect those two teams to probably give the biggest fits. I like that yeah. you brought up um, that we still have five of six remaining division games, or yeah, division games after the bye week um i think that's a pretty good thing to point out because i didn't see that at first but yeah you could struggle in that first half or even just kind of go 500 come out of the bye week with you know a different energy um and really claw your way back into it so yeah the way they have the 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 games are after the bye i mean those are those are big because you're fresh you're coming after out of a bye week where you get the three toughest games in terms of your division 
you need to win those games. I mean, at least two of those three, right? I mean, that's the expectation is obviously you want to win every division game, but that's usually not the case for most teams. So I think if you can make sure you can find a way to make sure that you're staying above the 500 threshold of the division, that makes that's the, the best way to make the playoff. Yeah, it's really a key stretch here. And I'm going to flip it to you, Ryan, here soon. But just to walk everyone from the Seahawks game on Sunday night through the next part of the schedule, we've got versus the Atlanta Falcons, and then we go into the bye week. We all have certain feelings about how Zimmer's teams come out of the bye week. Well, it's going to have to be good this year in 2020 because we're coming out of the bye and going to Lambeau Field against Green Bay, followed by two more divisional games versus Detroit and another contest that always gives us fits at the Chicago Bears in prime time on Monday Night Football. So that right, those three games, week eight, nine, and 10, are very key for the Viking season. And if they can get past those three games, three home games in a row. So, so Ryan, is this three game stretch, weeks eight, nine, and 10, Green Bay, Detroit, Chicago, is that make or break for 2020? Do we really need to weigh the other parts of the schedule when you have that cluster two road games, two division games, one primetime game. And what do the Vikings need to do here? Do they need to just survive, go one and two? Or are you looking for them to go two and one or three and oh in these contests? Uh, yeah, obviously being a Vikings fan, you want them to go three and oh, obviously. Uh, but, you know, taking a look at it realistically, looking at the schedule overall, it's a pretty tough schedule, at least, again, you know, looking at recency bias, right? Looking at the last year, how did these teams fare? Most of them did well. The ones who didn't do as great, they, you know, they did a lot to improve this offseason. Who knows what's going to actually happen? It's a new year. But taking a look at this stretch, anytime you're talking about three divisional games in a row, it's very, very important, especially in the middle of the year. What I love actually about our schedule is that we have a bye week that's not too early to get us rest too early. But it's not too late either, considering our young roster. So I take a look at our cornerback group uh, and and then some of our young pieces on the offensive side. You know, I, I think that that bye week seven is actually just perfect, right? Because it, we get some experience under our belt. We can coach them up right before the most important three-game stretch of the season. It is a make-or-break area, especially depending on how we, how we do in that first six games. But I, I think it is make-or-break because if you go in and you go one and two in this, you're at a very big disadvantage in the division uh, considering a lot of, you know, I, I didn't take a look necessarily at the uh, our other division schedules but it looks like you know it could be it could be a very very important uh, part of the schedule for them even so if they can get ahead of us uh, in this stretch it'd be pretty tough and then looking at it we go into some really tough games uh, you know so I, I think it's very important um, I think that we do need to go two and one or hopefully three and oh uh, because and then you have the Cowboys coming up uh, you have the Bucks coming up and then just as importantly the final three game stretch I would say is right up there with it because when you're looking at the two divisional games again, and you're looking at the Saints, which again, hopefully we're in a position where we're battling for playoff positioning and the Saints being there, they're likely going to be in the playoff picture. So um, really that final three, final four game stretch could be very, very important for our playoff standings and even our playoff viability. So um, I look at it as we need to go two and one at worst um, and then go into that uh, Cowboys game, you know, hopefully feeling pretty good and, and riding on a high. 
Right. Well, we can sweep. We can sweep this home stretch, right? Week 11, 12, 13, the Cowboys, Panthers, Jaguars, Matt. We can sweep there, right? Go 3-0. and If you don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to want to come in here and try and just p- blow us out of the water, you're wrong. Uh, I mean, sure, he can try. <laughs> I don't think it's that, that big of a sweep. I mean, the Cowboys, they have a ton of weapons. And, you know, it's, it all depends on how these young DBs step up and play, but that's going to be a tough matchup for them. The Panthers game should probably be fine. It, I'll be curious to see how they handle McCaffrey. The Jags, I mean, who knows what they're going to be this year. But uh, ideally, yeah, you go 3-0 and in that stretch. But they're bound to drop drop a random game. So, Well, I agree that that Cowboys game is going to be tough. Hopefully the Vikings can pull off the other two. Miles, I'll let you take us through the final four games. Three out of the final four on the road that seems like a tough way to end the year which of those four games concern you the most well I mean to start I mean they kind of started the Vikings off playing on the road really quickly then they end they end it ends that way I think out of these last four games I mean obviously the divisional ones are the most important just because you those are going to solidify whether you're hopefully you're in a position to if you win those two games to win the division that would be the the biggest key there but at the same time you want to make sure you're not dropping a game. To me, in my opinion, you probably need to split at least the the Bucks or the the Saints. Win one of those two games. I don't think falling to both those expected to be talented playoff contending teams. Um, if you want to be up there in the um, in the thick of things, you got to be able to beat some of those good teams. And I think um, we see some of these talented teams the Vikings are going to have to face. They're going to have to beat some really good teams. And I think um, that's going to tell us a lot. I mean, the, I think the, even playing the Packers week one isn't going to tell us a lot about the Vikings. It's just the unfortunate part is, you know, that's who they end up playing in week one as a division rival. But to end the season, we know the line. I mean, who knows what the lines are going to be? <laughs> I mean, under Matt Patricia, they haven't really been much. But at the same time, Stafford, when Stafford's healthy, he's usually they're usually a pretty competitive team too. So if he's healthy, I expect them to at least be a competitive team. So that doesn't make that an easy win. And then obviously the the Bears game, who knows what they're going to be at quarterback-wise. Is Mitch Trubisky going to be still the starter by then? I doubt it. Uh, is he starting at all? I don't know. But who knows what that team's really going to look like this year. So that to me, they're the biggest wild card just because they could take a huge step back as they continue to to try to rebuild their at quarterback, whatever they're trying to do at quarterback, and then trying to um, retool on defense. So um, I'm really curious to see what the Bears look like. But I think – so that last four stretch is really going to be key to making sure you're not you're not losing all those away games because those away games are the playoffs now with the the, the reformat is only one team gets a buy and then everybody else is in the wild card so right yeah so one team gets a buy so everybody else is going to either have to play on the road or have to start in the wild card weekend so if the Vikings are going to be one of those bottom three teams making the playoffs or whatever that looks like they're going to have to make sure that they're able to win on the road and that's going to be key here so. Or if they're going to be a team that that wants to compete for, you know, one of those top spots. I mean, you got to make sure you're beating really good teams. Um, we'll know by then those last four games kind of where the Vikings sit. You kind of hope. I think always the expectation is not to back into ever have to back into the playoffs, but you'll also take what you can get by that time as well. But I think um, if you can be sitting in a position, uh, what's that? Twelve. You have um, you're sitting at. You're hoping you're above 500 um, at that point. You know, seven eight nine wins um, by, by uh, week 13, 14, whatever that is, heading in the final four-game stretch and then that <laughs> split of the 
Bucks, Bears, Saints, Lions, three of the three of those four on the road. I mean, if you can find a way to at least split those, um, win the divisional games at least, you could be sitting in a pretty decent position. Yeah, well, I, I think that at New Orleans game on Christmas, that's a big one. We're going to see a lot of teams try to rest their starters in week 17 when they can because there's only one buy. Some people are going to try to put in that artificial buy in week 17. And to do that, I'm telling you, the Vikings are going to have to go out and win that week 16 game, give themselves the Christmas present of resting week 17. So that's the entire schedule. One thing I want to note is that there are no home primetime games on this schedule for 2020. No games under the lights in U.S. Bank Stadium. How do we feel about that, Matt? Well, I think this schedule actually kind of fares well for Mike Zimmer because, you know, looking at it, he's going to be an underdog in potentially quite a few of these games. And so I know he can rile up his new new young DBs and and young players and kind of tell them, hey, no one's expecting us to come out here and do this. They don't even give us home primetime games and all that other jargon that he throws at them. So it feels well for uh, for Zimmer, that's for sure. Definitely. Okay, I kind of like that. You know, Zimmer always finding an angle to work with these young guys. He certainly has a lot of them in the building after the draft. But that's the schedule review, y'all. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're excited about this Vikings season. Big game against Green Bay to start the year. Key three-game stretch coming out of the bye week against the Packers, Lions, and Bears. We've got three primetime games all on the road against the Seahawks, the Bears, and then the New Orleans Saints. And hey, if they can get to the bye week with a relatively good schedule, there is a chance they could fight through this thing and be in good position for the playoffs. It's still a long way to go until the season starts, so we'll keep on shedding you with content. But if you have any questions after watching the podcast, myself, Ryan, Miles are all on Twitter ready to interact, answer some questions, tell you which games we're most looking forward to. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And until next time, y'all, Skull Vikings!